For message today, we'd like for you to turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. It will be up on the screen. We'll be using the New King James Version as we, we do. And you might not be familiar with Daniel. You might not know who Daniel is. So Daniel, the book of Daniel, is in the Old Testament. Daniel was an Israelite. So Daniel was an Israelite, and, and a king from Bab- Babylon came in by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, when I was a kid reading the Bible in the Old Testament, I would tend to have trouble with how to pronounce Nebuchadnezzar. I want to say Nebuchadnezzar. I want to say all kinds of different things. But Nebuchadnezzar was a king from Babylon, and he came in and overran them and took into exile, which means they took him from where he was residing in Israel, basically, took the Israelites, and they picked them up and took them into exile into Babylon. It would cause a disruption for the, con- the countries that they were conquering and cause difficulties for them to kind of keep them from trying to overthrow the powers that were in place. And so they would take them in exile over to Babylon. Now Babylon, where is Babylon? If you think of Iraq today, think of Babylon. That's pretty close to where we're talking about. And that's where they were taken into exile. Now Daniel and his three friends uh, came over together. And you might know his three friends by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and into the fiery furnace. But that's not their given names. And that's another story. And we're going to cover that story today. Today we're in Daniel chapter 6. And we're not, the king no longer is Nebuchadnezzar. At this point, we've had the issue with God's finger writing on the wall that has passed, and Belshazzar has fallen, and Darius the Mede has come in. And so the king at this time is Darius the Mede. And you'll think of the Medes and the Persians. And if you think of the Persians, you think of Iran. So the Iranians are Persians by descendants. So you can kind of get what part of the world we're talking about. And you hear them in the news, but they were in the news back at that time as well. So now you have... Darius is the king, so we've kind of set things up, so we're ready to talk about Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9, but you can leave your Bibles open because we're going to cover uh, down uh, through verse 23 eventually, but we're going to break this up in sections. So for our first section of reading, Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, feel free to follow along. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave him thought to set it... And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. These, then these men said, We should not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the laws of his God. 
So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So you kind of pick up what's going on here is Daniel, just like had happened before, when Nebuchadnezzar was around and Daniel interpreted dreams under the guidance of the Holy Spirit from God, that Daniel was elevated in a position of prominence. Makes you think of Joseph. And so here's Daniel being elevated again in a place of providence, and he's providing some leadership. And the other leaders that are around, what happens? They get... Yes, they do. They get jealous, and they're going to find a way to trip him up. So they start trying to find something wrong with Daniel. And so they're looking, and they're looking. And they, they look here, and he's faithful. He does a good job. He does the things he's supposed to do. They can't find a way to pick him up, but they're going to get him out of the way because they're jealous. They need his power. They want his power. They want his authority. But Daniel is a faithful person, and they figure out the only way we're going to trip him up is if we get after him because of his faith, because of what he's doing for God. That's the only, we're going to have to find a way to trip him up that way because that's the only thing we can come up with. So what's the only thing that they come up with that they can do? They've got to find a conflict between God's, uh, uh, Daniel's worship of God and something else. So they put Daniel in a personal conflict with either he obeys God or he obeys man. In this case, he either obeys God or obeys the government in place, the powers that be. they got to put him in conflict. And so they come up with this, this petition. They come up with this rule. And they pray off of maybe the arrogance of the king that Hey, king, you know, people shouldn't be asking for help from anybody else but you. Because you're the king. Oh, that's, that sounds pretty good, you know. So the king kind of falls into this trap, and for 30 days, 30 days. So they get him to write it into law. Now, the tradition of the Medes and the Persians that they're talking about there is once it get written down, it couldn't be changed. It was the authority. Couldn't just change it, couldn't just get together and say, hey, we're going to change it around, we're going to flip it around. Uh, can't go have a vote and change it. It's, it is. It's locked in. It's under the tradition of the Medes and the Persians. So the king's kind of stuck with this rule. Now, he doesn't know that they've been plotting, and he doesn't completely understand what's going on and why it is this way. But they really were plotting to put Daniel in conflict, because knowing Daniel, they know pretty much what was going to happen. 
And it makes it, you think of some of the countries, and maybe you'll know this or not, but you know, back in Nazi Germany, they had this, you know, people actually prayed to Hitler. They taught their children prayers to Hitler. And you know, in North Korea, they're so brainwashed, they start treating their leaders as kings and gods, false gods. Because they've been crunched down, and you think about Rome and Caesar and the different Caesars and those approaches. But that's just some of those things that go on when people work towards communism and towards socialism. Is they want to get your focus off of God and relying on God and make government your God. Because, see, if you don't make government your God, then things start to fall apart the way that's all designed. But here in this case, it's the king. And they're saying, you can't make petitions elsewhere. And so here is Daniel. He's put in a bind. And we've got to look and see what happens next. And so let's read Daniel 10 through 17. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. He knew the writing was signed, he still went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Let's just stop with that verse. He went back to his upper room where he would pray, and this, he didn't just go pray because this law was passed. He did it three times a day, opened his windows towards Jerusalem, towards the temple. And if you're curious why he did that, you'll find that in 1 Kings 8, 48. And what that's related to is when Solomon prayed the prayer to dedicate the temple, when my people basically, I'm summarizing, feel free to check me up. When my people are go away and they're caught up in sin and God exiles them and they're in desperation if they repent, and they turn towards Jerusalem, towards the temple, and pray. That's what it's talking about. And so he was following that. Wasn't something new. It wasn't something that he was trying to do. He did not change his behavior. Follow me here. He did not change his behavior to get more clicks bring more attention to himself, he just kept on obeying God like he had always obeyed God. He didn't make himself a spectacle. He didn't arrange to try to get himself on the news. He just kept doing what God had told him to do. Because otherwise you start bringing, hey, look at me, look what I did. And then we start going down arrogance. We start going down pride. And pride was the root of the sin in the garden, right? But he just kept on doing what he had always been doing. He didn't change his process. He wasn't trying to set himself out there. He was being Daniel. And they expected him to be Daniel, so he kept on going. Now verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man 
Within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show true regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. And these men approached the king and said to the king, Now, king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, who you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. They caught Daniel being Daniel. They caught Daniel serving God the way he'd been serving God. They didn't catch Daniel doing something and, and then say, hey, He's trying to challenge you. He's doing something new. He's just doing this for clicks. He's just doing this for... No, he's just doing what he always does. He's just being faithful to God and doing what he always does. And the king, see, the king is concerned and he's figured out he's kind of been tricked into it, but the law's in place. And so he's trying to find a way out of it, and they call him out and say, listen, you've got to do it. It's the way it's written. Verse 16 speaks to Daniel's witness. At the end of the verse it says, But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Imagine having such a walk with God that those that are jealous of you, the only thing that they can find guilty of you is your walk with God. You might recall that same kind of scripture, that process in the New Testament, when it talks about our conduct, it talks about how we should behave and, and the words we should, should use. It's really that they won't find able to find anything to trip us up because the way we've been living. But here, they put him in conflict with this authority, but the king, Darius, having seen Daniel's faithfulness to God, the God who you serve continually, the king had noticed continually, he will deliver you. There was recognition that God could deliver Daniel out of the lion's den. The king still had some hope and some wonderings because we're going to read the king starts, he's going back and forth, back and forth because he didn't go to bed and say, oh, he's dead. He's gone. They're going to eat him. It's, it's all over. He paces back and forth because he has some level of hope to even make him want to pace. He has some concerns, he, but he thinks there's a thread of hope. 
and Daniel's God that he's going to be delivered because Daniel's life had witnessed to him to the point that he understands that God has power. Oh, to have that kind of witness, that those that see you being consistent for God, when somebody challenges you and puts you out, they expect you to be consistent, and your consistency causes them to have some level of faith, to point to the power of God. So what happens? Verse 18. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, That's his witness. Daniel, servant of the living God. What an impact to have someone that is outside of the faith recognize your consistency, recognize you as Daniel, servant of the living God. Not does God exist or not. Daniel, if your God exists. No, it's Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you served continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? That's very interesting. Is he able? We know he's able. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. So what is it that you do continually for God? I want you to think about this. Daniel risked his life you with me? Daniel risked his life so that he could pray. Daniel risked his life so he could pray three times because that's what he always did. He prayed three times. It was illegal for him to pray. Now, Daniel didn't start praying because they said, hey, it's illegal. And I said, well, fine, if it's illegal, I'm going to do it because I'm going to show you who's in charge. No, he just kept being himself. Was there anything that you do for God every day? That if you told them, they told you you can't do that anymore, that you wouldn't stop?
every day. Maybe it's something you do every week. And if they told you that it's illegal for you to do that, you would stop. And be careful that you're not like Peter and say, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Depending on where you lived in the United States recently, it was illegal to go to church. And a lot of people, it was real easy for them to stop. Now, there's different reasons for people making the choices they did. I'm just, and I don't want to go back and dwell on that. But what I'm saying to you is don't think it's so far from you that it's not something you've got to deal with. I mean, think about it. You go out to restaurants, and maybe it's custom that every time that you go to the restaurant, you do like you do at home. What do you do? You pray for your meal. Now, I'll be honest. I don't, when I'm on a business meal, I don't sit there and say, would you join me in a word of prayer? But I will bow my head. Sometimes I'm maybe not overt or not, but I want to be careful not to draw attention to myself, but I also want to say my prayer. You know, there's people now that they're going and praying, and they pray silently, and they get arrested for praying silently if you're in other countries, like Great Britain or something like that. You pray silently. You're not allowed to do that within certain places. You don't want to go do it because you're making yourself a spectacle, but don't think it's so far removed that at some point somebody's going to tell you you can't do the things you normally do. Daniel just kept on being Daniel. Wasn't trying to draw attention to himself. But certainly he wasn't going to draw back because somebody says you can't do that anymore. And see, he was risking his life, but if you're in a school or you're at work and it's not the cool thing to maybe pray for your meal, I'm just using that as an example. Or maybe you're in your dormitory or, or on the... Uh, a youth camp or a whatever it might be or you're on the football team or he was risking his life some of us just don't want to be embarrassed and oh to have the kind of witnesses that whom you continually serve you continually serve. They know that you continually are worshiping. You continually are following God. And it's not a bad thing for them to say, oh, uh, I'm sorry, forgive my language, and them to adjust their language because they know that they shouldn't be saying those bad words. And because they're around you, they know that it's bad, and they, because some of those people would say those bad words around anybody, but because it's you, they're like, they know that it's bad. There's convicting there. And people need to have conviction to know that they're doing sin. And they're like, they notice there's a difference because you're continually living it. You're continually doing it. 
and you're not condoning everything that comes down the path because people need convicted of sin to know where they are, not right with God, so they, they can have an awakening to not being right with God, so they can turn to God and accept God and ask for forgiveness of their sin. But if you just say, go along with whatever, and you crumble on the simplest things, there's no contrast. There's no difference. And so as we've been preaching, you need to be conducting our life so that there's a difference, so that they see the difference. They know where they stand. you stand. They don't need to ask the question. You don't have to make a big parade. They already know, and you're living in that consistent witness that people notice you. And because they notice you, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You don't have to go be a spectacle, but you don't need to cave. And not all churches, not all churches, just because it's a church doesn't mean they're following the Bible. We've seen that. They're caving. They're falling over. They like the likes. They like the clicks. We don't want to stop doing things because we want want to get bad clicks, so to speak. I'm not talking about social media. I just mean in life. We want to be at a point that we're following God because we're honoring God. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I'm not doing it because somebody will see me and it will elevate me. I'm just going to be God's person. And if I'm God's person, other people will notice. So you get the small contrast? I don't do it to draw attention to myself, but I'm consistent with God. And the result of that is it will have an impact. My humility before God and my following God will have a natural impact. But if I start saying, hey, look at me, and what I'm doing, it erodes the impact. It has a negative impact. So, oh, to be like Daniel. Oh, to be like Daniel, that others might see me doing something consistently in my walk with God and know that I am faithful. And may I be so faithful in the small things like prayer daily to God that it has an impact but may I also not be willing to give up my relationship with God in the small things because somebody even the government tells me it's illegal don't take for granted the religious freedoms that we've enjoyed Take them for granted. Be strong and keep going. Be a Daniel. Be a Daniel. Be a Daniel. Let's be standing together. Father God, I pray that you would help each one here where they are in their walk with you. Lord, they might need to change. They might need to adjust. They've got a consistent walk with you on a daily basis basis that is based on the relationship with you and they're not trying to impress other people they're just trying to impress you and through impressing you it's going to have an impact on other people 
But Father, may we have the courage and the strength that as we learn to do things consistently for you on a daily basis, that we won't just cave and roll over because somebody tells us that they don't like what we're doing. Somebody might even tell us at some point it's illegal. It's happening in other countries. It might even be happening in other states. But help us not to try to lift ourselves up and make ourselves the spectacle and, and, and build up pride on ourselves and look at me and do things to get that attention, but help us to get your attention through prayer, through our Bible reading, through our dedication to assembling together, through our worship to you, and it just becomes a consistent thing. It becomes who we are, and when people look at they'll say, hey, say, hey, Chris, the one that follows God continually, Like the king says, hey, Daniel, the one who follows God continually. May we each have that kind of witness and impact. That they won't be able to poke at and make fun of and say they're just doing it for this reason or that reason. That it will just be an authentic recognition of their being who they are with God. Help us to stay strong in that. Help us to be obedient to you in that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.